Welcome to Marketing Meanders with Sally and Sam. Uh, thank you very much for everybody who's signed up to us so far. Um, we, we've had a lovely time hearing from several of you and uh, starting to explore our meanders together. And we've got an awful lot more to talk about, really. It's extraordinary how much when you start talking about uh, marketing, you just keep going on and on and on. There's which no is stopping wonderful. us now. There's no stopping us now, exactly. And, uh, and I think what we're also finding is that so many topics are, are interrelated and, uh, and really help us to, to, to come up with some, hopefully some interesting meanders which we're exploring with you. And, yeah, and we'd you love to hear from you. We meander from topic to topic at some point. So although we say we're going to talk about one thing, the likelihood of it just being that one thing is remote. Exactly. This is it. Just, just, just like the, 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 the mighty uh, River Thames as it, as it meanders through our, our, our county yep. where we're, we're lucky to live. Uh, it picks up all these tributaries and these other areas which which we need to discuss, which is which is is wonderful, and I think that's what we find it's such a rich topic, don't we? And 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 hopefully today we're we've started obviously with campaigns, but we're moving on to to audiences. And I, well, we were going to start with a question, and uh, that question was, who is my audience? I think. Yeah. How do we start with that when we start out with with a, a product and trying to sell something? Over to you, Sally. To be honest, audiences need to be the first thing you think about ever even if you're doing haven't got a product yet you need to think about who is going to buy this if i'm going to spend you know 20 20 hours in my basement creating this perfect thing who is going to buy it who is going to be interested in it so your audience is the most important thing to research you can probably start by seeing you probably you won't be producing a completely unique product so other, other products will have similar audiences. And so you can probably go out and identify other similar audiences and think, oh, well, it's a bit like that. And they sell to this kind of people. And don't forget that often you yourself are the audience. So you know what you look like, what you think is important. And that's a, quite a good place to start from. And in fact, you're probably the best place to start from because you know more about yourself than anybody else. Mm, absolutely and and the thing is as you say i mean when when you're starting out with anything or if you're moving into um i think it's always going to be interesting if you move into an existing organization they clearly know there are people out there who are buying these things which is which is wonderful but if you're starting with a brand new product as well that starting point of well who's my audience but clearly at some stage there's been a, a germ of an idea the genesis of this idea that well i'm now creating go back to our original uh, example from last week about about handbags uh, yep. i know i'm producing this for a particular type of person and therefore um that's that's why it has certain attributes that's i have someone in mind you probably start off i mean if it is like a you know small business i was thinking that you're probably starting off with a very clear idea in your own mind your own mind's eye about this is the person who i yep. see using this i actually visualize them seeing uh, you know using it and and uh if you're you know in a shop i guess in the high street then you are literally seeing people pick up those things and and use them and then you want to go online you've already got your starting point haven't you um yeah and that's incredibly important because your audiences are real people there's no they're not sort of you know mythical people out there in the in the ether these are going to be real people that have got head a hat a face a smile and that's who you're engaging with and that makes it slightly easier to engage with it Mm, yeah and that and that's what because i think some people 
you know, if you begin with the idea of okay, well, let, let's get some let's get some sort of uh, stats and data about about who the audience is as well, and maybe that happens more when you have merely been going along selling a certain product, and then you say, right, well, let's let's get some analytics here and that word again, and let's let's start understanding who they really are and and what they do and where they are, and or or, or, or perhaps some people I think there is a short situation where they things just sort of seem to happen. They sell things and they haven't really ever completely got into the idea of, well, who are these individuals? Who are these human beings yep. who are actually buying this? And and then the next level of, well, who are they? Where are they? What are they? Yep. But then why? Why why do they have certain motivations that, that, that at some stage in their in their existence they decide they're going to buy? Um, this thing which you are are selling or promoting, you know, and then and then that sort of getting inside the head of of, of that audience is really the that key point, isn't it? That, that's that's right. the, the the place to be as a marketer. Absolutely. I mean, and the obviously the other side of that horrible coin is the very commercial side because you do want to know how much money these people have. So. Mm because you need to know whether you're pricing it properly and it could be that you're underpricing it as much as you're overpricing it so you need to know how wealthy are these people because they might think if you're if you let's go back to the handbag suppose your handbag is 20 pounds people might like think oh that's going to be a bit tatty because i'm used to spending 100 pounds on a handbag so really i won't go buy that it's rubbish so you've immediately cut out a great swathe of your audience that you need to be getting on to so it's important to know a lot about the kind of nitty gritty of your audience, how much they earn, where they live, um, how often they're actually going to visit you. So is it going to be a one off purchase or are they going to come back every single week and buy something every single week? Probably not a handbag, but you never know. So you need to know your, your, how keen your audience are to be with you and what the competition is. So where else are they going? Mm, yeah absolutely and, and it comes down a lot to as you say so it's the both having a kind of a well a pretty um i suppose um well data driven to a certain what well, data led to a certain degree idea of well how can i define how can i sort of you know if i'm in the serengeti and i'm I'm looking for the watering holes which i always call them the watering yeah. holes of the i don't know the hyenas the hyena pack perhaps. <laughs> they're, they're, they're my order. that's the i've in my head i've got an idea that i've got a big juicy steak here which i think a hyena would love to to have it's a few days old it's been you know rotting in the sunshine merrily perfect. it's perfect for the hyena so i think it's a really good steak dinner for, for him or her but i want to find the pack and i want to find where, where the watering holes are but there's certain attributes which i will then start to define aren't there so, so i know that i know the size i know their kind of uh, their habits um i know how to look out for them i know how they smell whatever all those things around those attributes around that that pack as it were and then finding out where they play where they are um so then i can get then my little uh well the, i don't know maybe maybe i've bottled the scent of my my rotting steak that sounds Brilliant. horrible doesn't it? maybe i've got that and i've put it i've released it into the atmosphere around the watering hole where they are and then they, yeah. they get the scent and off they go effectively i'm 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 trying to an understanding and then and then perhaps if I'm, I'm doing this on a wider scale and sharing it with a team of of uh, you know strapping uh, you know parks safari guides who who Indeed. all want to try and attract these hyenas to this yep. uh, to this steak or this steak banquet and so I need to be able to then you know share that information in an intelligent uh, intelligible way to others to know okay these are the rough rough idea of who they are and where they are um, but then there's that other understanding of okay, well, I, I'm. I, I, do, do I know what they want? And yeah. I guess I know what they want because 
I know what hyenas do most of the time. But what if I've got a vegetarian hyena? You know, well, what, what if I've got yeah. a, well, other ones who look like hyenas, but they're not quite that's a yeah. different breed. Well, will I mean, these hyenas buy it for their best friend hyena? You know, all that kind of, they, they yeah. might not want it themselves, but they know that granny hyena would love it. Yeah, all of those things. I mean, you really need to put yourself into your audience's shoes big time, because if you do that, you will then be able to find much more quickly where they're going to hang out. So that if you're wearing their little hyena paws, then you'll know that this is going to be a really suitable place for me to find water and rotting steak. Yeah, yeah, exa exactly. And, and, and then it's really that sort of, um, both having the more sort of uh, data information about something that's captured about who, who they are, and then uh, and, and all the other attributes, the demographics, etc. But then also the the, the more sort of uh, psychological side of, of understanding, well, what, what do they want, and then pausing, and then saying, what do they really want, and, and, and understanding all the kind of everything that you can understand about where they've come from and yep. where they want to go to and where your proposition or service whatever it might be comes along that timeline isn't it really as well yeah getting that that's exactly right because it's just as we were talking before or I, I talked about selling your why you have to make sure that your purpose so your why why i do this why i produce this is going to be right for your audience and it might be worth, I mean, if, you, if you're repurposing your business or you're starting a new product that's on top of old products, you might, the first thing you need to do is to speak to the audience you've got already. Just go and ask them some absolute questions because that should ask Sam's question, which is, do I really know who you are? Do I really understand what makes you come back to me? Do I really know why you like my handbags or just am I just assuming that because you buy them, you like them? Hmm. not necessarily it could be that they're great but something better something different will be better yeah exactly and, and also that sort of replication of understanding well if you um are if, if this group of people like like this uh, my handbags for example um how many more people like them or similar to them i suppose will then want that as well so i mean and then it comes back very much that sort of business model and you say about how much they've got to spend yeah but also where they are how many are there of them so you actually can identify well what 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 sort of lifetime value can we create here what sort of repeat customers what type of referrals can we can yep. we get from this audience as well and understanding well yeah are they, are they going to go on and are they going to do this? is this a once in a lifetime purchase which that may be fine and if ten thousand people once in a lifetime purchase you're going back to the horrible thing of, of finances and budgets and money but then you can look very good with your finance director by saying well you know yes we've sold you know I don't know a thousand handbags this month and therefore we think we've got capacity to sell even more because look there's there's more people out there who, That's who, who exactly want right. yeah and, and now the more you know about your customers the more you can finesse your message around them because it's extremely unlikely that your customers are just one shape that's not impossible but extremely rare and the more you know about them and the more you speak to them please speak to your customers don't just send them a handbag Maybe follow it up with, oh, are you enjoying your handbag? This is so terrific. So try and engage with them because you might find that you've been constantly saying to them, this handbag is brilliant. It's green. But actually, your customers really want to know how many pockets it's got inside. So they've taken the risk and bought it and they've discovered it's got the perfect number of pockets. But actually, you don't know that because you've not asked them. And you might want to ask them, find out what they think is brilliant about it. And then you can finesse your next email campaign to say, look 
a handbag with 11 pockets inside, which is absolutely perfect for all your possible needs. So just don't ever stop engaging with your audience. Just because they've bought something doesn't stop them being valuable. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, uh, it's that sort of uh, fantastic marketing phraseology around buzz phrases around customer centricity and uh, we're, we're customer centric and i mean i don't know i quite often find people who do go on and on and on about being customer centric perhaps aren't customer centric uh, as <laughs> yes much. they can't possibly in, in, have time exactly exactly and and, and it's also because i think one of the things we've sort of touched on before is about the you know the practicality as well i mean because you know, what we always talk about is the practicality of what you can then actually do with with an understanding as you say and being really close to your customers and then understanding well what are the kind of campaigns that will um you know give give us some sort of uh, measurable result from that yep. as well and 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 when it informs something we touched on last time with campaigns and we went into our bit more around well where does marketing in a large organization sit as well about what well, influencing back to product development and yep. um uh, and then understanding well okay well if we are listening to our audience we are the fantastic interface to understand Perfect. what it is that exactly that they they do want but it, that's all comes from being close to, to your audience yep. and then motivating them enough to, for them to want yeah. to feed back because to you us. should know quite a lot about them it depends how complicated your, your product is but you've probably got them all the way down your funnel so you've touched them more than once before they've bought almost certainly they'll have got an initial email or they saw an ad had initial email they then got two nurturing emails just to guide them a little bit closer to you and then they bought and what you've got there is the most brilliant future customer then you've got your audience in a little sack because they've just bought it. You know what colour they like. And there's nothing wrong with then a year later going back to them and saying, I know you're almost going to be incredibly happy with your handbag, but why don't you buy this new goo that you can smear on your handbag to make it last longer? <laughs> so once they're a customer, they're your most, they are your most valuable future customers. And don't yeah. doze off on them. Yeah, absolutely. That's the thing. I mean, again, it sort of comes back to that that lifetime value, doesn't it? Really, and and then understanding that, you know, if people and and why you do things as well. You Simon, the Simon Sinek point that you made in your other um, pod about that, where where it's the, you know, why you don't buy what you do to buy why you do it, and and, yeah. and if there is something that you're doing, I mean, it depends obviously on as we know sort of the type of business you're in. But if you are doing your your handbags, and then it's it's the accessories, it's the buying the brand, you know, whether it's to do with you know, I yeah. I. I create beautiful handbags because I believe in um, old fashioned craftsmanship or whatever it might be, or, you know, um, it, it's all to do with the really high end, good quality. Um, and therefore something that, that's going to identify people in their lives who think I like to have good, high, high quality, you know, um, handmade items rather than mass produced. And if I've got the money for that, clearly this is someone who's got reasonable money, someone I'm conjuring up in my head, but, that's the kind of person who will then want to associate with all of the attributes around the brand that you're, that you're delivering as well, I think. And more than anything, most mm. important thing is that if you've got a happy customer who likes your product, the most powerful thing they can do is recommend you to other people. So their ability to advocate for you is enormous and you want to encourage them to do that. So you need to carry on building that relationship and eventually just ask them. You need to be able to ask them two things. One, can I have a testimonial? I'm so glad you like our handbags, but it would be really helpful for other people, I think, if they knew how much you liked it and put that online. But also then you can go back to them saying, we've noticed that on, we're, dead, we're looking at our data online and 20% of people that come to our website read your testimonial. This is just fabulous. 
do you think we could ask you to perhaps do a, be, be the author of a small email campaign for us so you're a happy customer etc would that be all right and then you've suddenly got them marketing to their lists so you're spreading your reach almost by mistake but they've, they're, they're perfect so getting advocacy from your customers is perfect and so that's another thing you need to know about your audience how happy they would be to do that yeah absolutely and you can put them in your crm and tag them like that well exactly yeah yeah, yeah exa exactly that and that that's the thing in terms of um of capturing them and then and then you know really good crms can then start to give you these data insights almost automatically can't they as you start to see yeah. what's going on and why things are happening and and then also the um as you say advocacy the whole good the good old-fashioned word of mouth which or rather sort of word word of referral on whatever device or, yeah. or gizmo or or actually old-fashioned actually talking to somebody good lord um, you mean in the pub uh, like the good old days exactly exactly in a socially distanced manner of course in a discussion or, a, or a saying hey there's marvelous handbags down the road go and buy them but i mean the fact that word of mouth quite often is not is not uh, captured and attributed in, in, in the way that we want to I be. Mean, I know that's another conversation probably around attribution and, and how we understand return on yeah. our investment of our what we're doing. But but so often, I mean, most most of the time I've worked, I think, in, 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 in organizations, it's been the whole the word of mouth is it's almost like something that I think marketers like to try to avoid a little bit because they are doing all this other wonderful stuff, which is then reaching new audience, new audiences. Yep. But actually, the existing audience and the ones who are, are the ones who are talking to somebody else who then talks to somebody else who talks to somebody else particularly like i mean also i mean in a b2b context the whole idea of actually somebody you did like in my previous work you know did an executive edu education program with goes back to their business and says to their their colleague who works as a company country director in another country oh aren't they marvelous it was wonderful i had a fantastic time it'd be really good for you and your team to go on it yep. And that's that's the most powerful thing, obviously. That 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 whole you know, as human beings again, there's the whole area, isn't there, of, of referral, as you say, and and, and referring um, someone who respect and and, and know um, exactly. is there. But I think it almost becomes a bit of a we don't perhaps harness it as much as we could because I, I don't I don't know. Certainly, something I sort of thought this it's, it's it's a little bit of a kind of a well, that's great. We you know we really, we really want to improve you know the amount of referrals we get and, and word of mouth. But that's kind of like stuff that we're not in control of or, or we're not we're not right. doing as much but we can facilitate it and enhance absolutely. it absolutely i think we're far 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 too british about it because you very very rarely get asked for a testimonial when you've bought something it's extremely rare that, that a business will say oh could you just tell us how fab we are um and that's that's not that shouldn't be shameful and amazon asks you to do it all the time and that's mm. fine. So we can get over this horrible British shyness. Just ask them, because it's extremely unlikely that if they're happy, they're going to say no. Mm -hmm. And and it's it, it is interesting as well, actually, thinking with types of testimonials, like with your storytelling um, pod the other day. I mean, I think the fact that we, in terms of how we can facilitate and enhance, if we're asking testimonials, we may be selling. Again, the handbags. That's always going to be a recurring theme here. That the handbag uh, person who's selling <laughs> start these lovely handbags. Sale. Well, it's wonderful, isn't it? Yes, and we can then this the goo that we smear over them to to enhance their their longevity. I think that um, might need a little bit of different messaging. Yeah, yes, it's uh, it's sort of the uh, the idea behind you know we we can say well uh, if we find out the attributes the number of pockets as you said uh, that thing the attributes are the important thing here that somebody then on testimonial says well it's wonderful do you know what you've got you know fifteen pockets in here rather than six or whatever that you might usually find in this product and isn't yeah. that wonderful. So they're sort of enhancing in terms of the actual uh, data information, practical information about 
a product but then someone else is then sharing or we encourage them to share the more um the motivational sort of story about we you know i'd all i'd look for years to try and find you know beautiful british made handbags i yeah. couldn't find them anywhere all italian but then suddenly this came along you know or my mother i remember had you know beautiful handbag years ago and and it was wonderful yeah. and, and i remember it but i couldn't find anything like it now it was a little market somewhere we went to on holiday and that wasn't there but this is just like that the smell everything the whole emotive you know sort yeah. of more, more explanation about that and then also the now I've got this bag. It, it's been wonderful. I've gone out and done this and this and this. So telling us, helping, helping your your audience tell stories for you, isn't it? It's sort of their yeah. part, their chapter of I your think, story. I think it takes practice because you're absolutely right. They need to be encouraged to do that. They may well be happy to say, "Oh yes, it's great, thanks." But what you've just described, then getting them to tell their story takes a bit of practice. But it's not impossible. It might be that you phone them up and speak to them about it for a while, or if you've got a sales force out there then get your sales force to speak to their customers and see what's happening because it, it's a real, it's incredibly powerful. I'll, I'll stop droning on about storytelling eventually, but it, I mean, Sam's exactly right. And if you can find a way to facilitate that, it's incredibly powerful. Mm, and don't yeah, forget, you haven't got to pay these people to do this. They're going to give it to you free. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's wonderful. I think when it just, it comes together doesn't it there's that, that that synergy that mutual benefit that you, yeah. you get from from it and, and, and people love re recommending and they love they love perhaps even mm. answering questions as well don't they to other yeah. members of the audience Absolutely. who might be interested in the product um yeah. they, they get something from that don't they um which is really important we did actually i'm um, sort of um go, go we, we, we we've gone into some fantastic meanders already but i was thinking going back to more the beginning where and something i know you really in particular want to talk about which was around personas the and sense. actually the, the process of creating yeah. personas and what they because are because i'm quite sure that it's one of those words if you're working in a people would have said oh you must get some personas and as consultants i know both sam and i have gone mm, do you know what that means i'll do that for you but do you really know what that means and what it means well it means it can mean a host of things but i'll just take one description otherwise we're going to turn into a meander that turns into a tributary that turns into a little bit silly a persona is a description of your audience but it's got to include some certain things so that you can use so you can use your persona sensibly you need to have what does your persona need why do they need your product but not just it's not just the, the immediate thing but what do they need of it next year how long do they need it to last so how much do they need it so what's the short-term need what's the long-term need um and then it's really valuable to think about their to use a nice boris word their moonshot desires so you might be able to fulfill their desire for a handbag and now you've fulfilled their desire for a handbag with multiple pockets but actually what they really want is a handbag that can truck along next to you without you having to carry it that's their moonshot desire and i'm not saying that you might even want to produce that but you know what's inside their soul that's really what they want and so what you have to be doing is kind of encourage them to believe that might be just around the corner if they buy this we'll have enough money to produce that so you've got to do that you've also got to um this is the bit that really really matters you've got to tell tell your um, development people what their fears are so is this person fright their biggest fear is that someone's going to steal their handbag off their shoulder or they're going to be walking on the street and the handbag suddenly going to fall apart or 
they're never going to be able to afford a handbag anymore because they're just getting too expensive. So you need to analyze their fears because what you're doing for this customer is fulfilling their desires. That's why you need a persona so that when you're doing some marketing, you produce solutions to their problems. You don't ask them what the problem is, they're just there with a solution. And they think, oh, that's exactly what my problem is. So you're providing solutions. You, all, you also want to um, decide what your customer's criteria for success is. It could be, um, okay, I, all my, I, I'm constantly losing my purse because I bung it in my back pocket and my phone is in the other back pocket and then I've got no place for my sandwiches. And so actually their criteria for success is having a perfect bag that they can fit their phone and their purse and their sandwiches in. And that's an interesting, you need to analyze that with them and make sure you're getting it right. Uh, and personas, the reason you do a persona is because you need it written on one sheet of paper. So that if you sit down and think, right, I'm going to do an email campaign now, brilliant. And look, and you've given them a face, so you know their name's Jack and they are about 35 years old and they work in a supermarket and they have two children and a wife because that will give you some language so you'll be able to say um your family really wants your wife to have a perfect handbag so she can carry around all your children's bits and pieces which they keep dropping every time you go to the park and so you're suddenly latched so they're going to recognize it more quickly so you're going to have a more successful campaign because you know more about your audience. That's why you need personas. And the reason you need them is so that you don't have to rethink it every time. You can just pick up your persona, think, right, I'm gonna do a campaign to Jack now. And you, he's got a hat, you know what he looks like. He's got nice curly hair. And so you can feel very jolly about him and it makes you more um, approachable. They like you more. Mm. Personas are really important. So when people say do them, do lots of them, but you'll also have a persona for Jill who will be a little bit different. And then you'll also have a persona possibly for Jack and Jill's mother, who might be going to buy Jack and Jill a handbag, but that'll be another persona. And you might have a persona for one of their children who might equally going to be buying them one for Christmas. So you can produce multiple personas depending on your layers of audience. Mm, and oh, Sam's got some really good stories about personas, not necessarily yes. being perfect. <laughs> well absolutely i mean because they say it's one of the first things i i do you know we're, we're looking at audience like right who are the personas here then you know we'll look at the, assess the audience to begin with but but then the sort of as you say putting it on one side of paper to actually bring that person to life so you get that hu humanity and i think you yep. described it beautifully sally actually as well about how then you connect that to then selling of product x product or y product or service you know, and what that actually means so and, and the language i think was so important you say there how, how then do you do write about these people what what are the stories how do you tell their story to That's the people exactly. who are out there who are those personas and um and, and also as you said about you know creating the, the right level of personas because I, I find in the past where i've two examples one where i've worked on uh, looking at a, um, a service we were providing and it was trying to understand well how do we have one percent? Do we have two? Do we have three? How many do we have here? And then we're having to ask the difficult questions about what what the real differences were between the personas we perceived. And I think really then there's well it's linking to our our, uh, our lovely piece, which we I think we'll be doing about market research and interviewing about that. There's a, there's a whole area there which I won't go into now, uh, but uh, understanding and then testing your personas and then seeing what 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 works. But but one thing which I uh, where almost, as you say, we've got to start with personas and then, but sometimes I, f I found 
one experience I had where it kind of went too far. It was brilliant and it was it was amazing. Where it was a whole load of personas being developed, and uh, by an agency and, and a vast amount of data, so hugely data informed, um, and and also then tried out internally and externally and worked out exactly what people wanted and who they were. And, and these personas in themselves were very good. You know, I mean, this is the thing; they were really well well created. Um, and uh, and that was great, and you couldn't fault the sort of the, the amount of effort that gone into creating them and, and putting them together, and they made sense when you sort of read through them. But crucially, there were about thirty plus of them, and this was the problem um, in that their utility, their, their practical usage in a marketing team on the ground um, was not really there because everyone got very confused, and I think it was a a thing where. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, there were a lot of different sort of um, derivations of, of services and products which were available, but there wasn't much of a sort of unifying um, core proposition, which uh, is another thing we should probably got a whole podcast on that sort of single minded Absolutely. propositions. And I know someone we should probably get along to, to, to interview about that, actually, who, who, who is a, a really good on single minded propositions. But again, that's 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 that sort of understanding of what are the commonalities, what are the differences between my personas? And therefore perhaps one persona merges into the same one because practically speaking, I'm not going to necessarily say anything massively different to person A and person B. Yeah. Um, but they are they are different people. But what I'm going to say to them, how I'm actually going to talk to them, etc., is not going to be radically different. So yeah. rather than sitting down and thinking, right, marketing assistant, marketing executive, Write me a campaign for all our personas. Okay, well, I've got 30 different personas here. So uh, I'll <laughs> start one? here and work my way through. Yeah, which is the most important? Who, 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 yeah. Which group should I focus on? And, and it just yep. becomes that sort of, you know, I think just information overload sometimes. And, and so you think you're doing the right thing, which in many ways you are. If you're even thinking about personas and then putting them together and having them backed up by data, that's all marvellous. But it can go too far. And then you, uh, where we were discussing before, where we were thinking that probably... If I went back to this organization now, we, they would have shrunk that down to like five apps, yeah. personas. And then that would then be, be, you would then see the actual usage of, of those personas in, in the marketing, in the campaigns yeah. that actually go out rather than a whole load, which have probably stayed on the shelf and not really yeah, being used because exactly. it's too complicated. It's also really important that when you're building them and when you've built them, you share them with your product development team because your product development team will be the people who are making the product for these people you think are going to buy it. And if you've got two different personas or they don't recognize the persona you've created, then something's gone radically wrong. Well, you've got, you, you've been misinformed of what the audience, what the product is, or the product's not selling to the right people. So you need to make sure that you think about it together. It's another one of those things that market where marketing, um, jumps from silo to silo to make sure that you're all singing from the same song sheet to use a dreadful cliche but personas do work like that rather well they kind of do draw out people going oh that's not what i think and you'll suddenly find that there's a there's a problem deeply in there yeah absolutely and it's sort of when i i think it's very interesting to you know when you've got your personas set up it having that well definitely those conversations it helps you sort of internally promote uh, from the marketing team point of view, doesn't yeah. it, to, to others, and and also then, or if you're a smaller business and you've got a, a few personas worked out, sharing that with members of your audience you trust would be great. Yep. Um, and a good thing to do ongoing in an ongoing way, but then also sharing yep. with others who can sort of critically assess that people perhaps you know your business know what you're doing and and have that kind of uh, evolution or tweaking of them to 
to a certain point. I mean, it's almost like um, personas like people will never be perfect, but they will give you a good, a good yeah. feeling, won't they? You know, and it's sort of it's and that that evolution you can start to to feed in is is all centered around the, the, the concept of accepting them, isn't it? Saying, well, personas are at the heart of understanding who our audience is, and they are actually used to then create campaigns, and we can back, back the DNA to, yeah. to, to that persona um, yes. and what we want them to do. And then, then you've got a basis, haven't you, to actually understand and test and, and, and evolve something rather yeah. than, well, I don't know. I mean, there's just lots of people here. I mean, that's another example. I, I've actually some uh, an organization I know of where they um, previously um, just didn't, ha can't see a, a difference in, in, in who their audiences are and the personas they have. So there's quite yeah. a, you know, which there may not be massive differences. I mean, it's almost like, again, mm -hmm what are the key parts of you know the, the product or the different collection of products that you're selling you're going to an audience who is perhaps very niche so they're quite close close and clustered together but you know what what are the differences that you need to you know sort of tweeze out take out there tease out to then change a what you you actually say to them and then b how, how you say it to them where you say it to them and then what you're getting them to do that's kind of the art isn't it really yeah, there to, what you're getting to do yeah, I mean, I've got. It's also important to understand what their cultural background is. I've got a perfectly slightly mm. shameful example of getting this wrong, quite dramatically actually. <laughs> we were. Um, I was working for a publishing company, and we were promoting um, books to help children learn to read. And we were moving into a new audience, which was the Middle East. And this was marvellous. We'd been accepted by various teaching schools, etc. That was all going terrifically well. And we, to our grotesque shame, did a whole campaign around Percy Pig. This was oh. a really, really bad idea. <laughs> just, it's one of those things you just think, oh God, I actually did that. We didn't actually push the campaign. Fortunately, we actually tested it with one of our trial customers and they couldn't stop laughing. They said, are you trying to get rid of your, your audience before you even start? using a pig not the wisest approach in the middle east so but mm -hmm. you do need to think these are things that you can miss because where, from where you're sitting you might think you know everyone loves percy pigs they love little sweets you get a marks and spencers everyone thinks they're pepper the pig that's all very hilarious but in some places and for some people that's just utterly wrong mm. so you do need to think quite carefully about your personas well, a very good point made there, Sally, and uh, we don't want to have any problems with Percy Pigs in the future. That's end of part one of our audience's podcast this week on Marketing Meanders. We'll be releasing part two very shortly for you. And in the meantime, if you do have any questions or anything that's cropped up in your mind after this little meander, please do share it with us on Meanders Pod. That's on Twitter, Meanders Pod. Or you can leave a message wherever you view this podcast online. Thank you very much. We look forward to picking things up with you next time. Bye for now. Bye.